0: Hello and welcome to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm Nolan and beside me is Ben, as always, and we coming. I knew it was going to happen. We were having the time of our lives before I started the opening monologue. You know, we, we've always talked about how we should just start recording before we actually are ready to record because the conversations that happen before the mics are on, are absolutely <laughs> insane. That's some of the and best it's like, material.
1: <laughs> it's just like, it's utter nonsense. <laughs> utter nonsense. Like the, the past five minutes have been 90% laughs and like
0: <laughs> 10% words. <laughs> what the hell? The hell? We've been... So, since we're talking about rough, tough guys, and especially we're talking about Clint Eastwood today on episode 37. Go ahead, make my day. We've been talking about kind of those old spaghetti western, like really drawn out voices, more exaggerated, exact like of course. But um, it's it's been a trip. We, we're having fun anyway. Ben is beside me as always, um, and we thank you for joining us. We talk about our passion for the past, while being young at heart. How you doing, dude? <laughs> it's it's been a pretty good day. How are you doing? <laughs> Not too bad, man. I wanted to take a second to talk about talk about life. You know, because um, o- within the okay. past within within the, pa- <laughs> within the past couple of weeks, life has given me a couple strokes of luck. So I was listening to the radio, Run a couple comedy tickets to one of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan. Man, I was the tenth caller. <laughs> I was the tenth caller, and I think what was so funny is that I looked back at like my history of calls. I called ten times in a row, and it made me think: Am I the only <laughs> one that listens to this radio station? <laughs>
1: Oh my god, that is
0: that is awesome. That's I know fantastic. <laughs> it was I I it was one of those things that I saw it and I kind of scratched my head, but then I was like, hell, I won two free tickets, so I'm all right. But it was probably I thought it like was funny. The,
1: the fifth or sixth time you called, they're probably seeing the same number, and they're like. Hey no one else called This guy's probably gonna win But let's see if he'll actually call Ten times in a row
0: Four more times (laughs) (laughs) Diligence Uh, pays off uh, It really does Um, Anything Anything happened to you That was kind of funny
1: No Like ever in my (laughs) life Or like the past week
0: (laughs) Oh I'm sure I mean you and I (laughs) live together So I know funny stuff went down
1: Oh yeah. Just oh yeah we yeah, we shouldn't get into that. Oh my god. Are you getting sweaty? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, some pre pre recording uh kind of god. going back to that. No one's sitting there in his in his wife beater's glistening biceps.
0: But I have pants on today. <laughs> to be honest, last week I did not have pants on when we recorded. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well i think to make it even better i think you were still in like your it wasn't a dress shirt but it was like your work shirt but you oh, just had no yes. pants on <laughs> Yes, so, <laughs> it's
0: like sitting there for a job interview like a video job interview with a and yes. tie and you're not wearing just any pants. skyping it oh my <laughs> all right so this is episode 37 Go ahead. Make my day. We want to give a couple shout outs. If you guys have heard or currently listening to The Way I Heard It by Mike Rowe, go back um, into his repertoire. And he actually had a short little stint of an episode for Clint Eastwood um, talking about uh, a moment in his life where he was still part of the military and he was on a plane and it went down in the ocean and um, him and his pilot uh, had to swim two miles away. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't actually be talking about this. Go check out the episode. It's fantastic. He kind of yeah. He he's kind getting of a free plug it. on this one. Yeah, he narrates it in the ter- in like ways of Paul Harvey, um, and you know, kind of s- dropping subtle hints along the way, and then not until the end um, you find out who it is. And it's great because the episodes are just like ten minutes long, and you know, he kind of banter's for about five minutes in the beginning of the episode, which is what we're doing now. Um, and <laughs> yeah. if you enjoy what we just did, then go check it out.
1: <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> going along with that really quickly, it's. I feel like a lot of the people who like <clears throat> what our show is and enjoy this type of thing probably also know who Paul Harvey is. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not necessarily pe- listeners outside of the United States, but listeners in the United States probably are familiar with Paul Harvey. And you know, if you really, if you really like that style of. Uh, of radio show or some or uh, just what he talked about in general, then definitely check out Micro. Um, it's he, he that's how he explains his own show in the very beginning is uh-huh. you know kind of going back to Paul Harvey and wanting to kind of recreate that in podcast form.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now it's time for the rest of the story. Good stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Except now it's okay. that's the way I heard
0: it. That's the way I heard it. Anyway, that's the way I heard it. Uh, Alright, so we're going to actually get into our show that we came here to talk to you guys about uh, Clint Eastwood, man um, So, I mean, I kind of typed up I tried to use my, you know, English journalism skills And typed up a little intro for our, our buddy Clint Check this out, let me know how I did uh, okay. Clint Eastwood, an American actor, director, producer, as well as political figure um, Carved himself into the Hollywood legacy with his gritty portrayal of um, ambiguous characters As well as his on-screen, no-BS attitude Uh, Clint became a regular household name from his stint in Spaghetti Westerns, so-called as they were filmed and produced by Italian director Sergio Leone. Eastwood would later um, not stop there as his career grew to include roles in military dramas such as Kelly Heroes, Where the Eagles Dare, as well as Heartbreak Ridge. He would go on to do um, famous stints as Dirty Harry as well, um, which I know a lot of his famous quotes kind of fringe from that which is awesome Um, and then also as well as doing um, you know directing things like uh, acclaimed films such as Invictus and American Sniper as well as Grand Torino back in 2008 so he has a very colorful career um, both on screen and off and uh, we're excited to dive more in and let you know kind of where he got his beginnings what happened in the middle and where he's at now what do you think how's my journalism skills on that one (laughs)
1: <laughs> that was it, it was pretty good it was very uh
0: very deep very very meaningful i thought you were about to say very mediocre for a second
1: <laughs>
0: i wouldn't do that oh turn <laughs> off the mic and he will
1: <laughs> uh did you use like thesaurus.com
0: a lot no man came straight out of this big old brain of mine oh okay okay <laughs> he, he doesn't believe me <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: all right. Moving on all right, let's move on a little bit into uh Clint Eastwood's early life. Uh Eastwood was born May thirty first, nineteen thirty, in San Fr- San Francisco, California.
0: San Francisco <laughs> Uh he,
1: he was nicknamed uh early on he was nicknamed Samson due to <laughs> weighing 11 pounds,
0: six ounces when he was born. That's insane. Yeah, it was like the nurses of the hospital nicknamed him Samson.
1: Yeah, that's like a football filled with concrete. That's what I think of, like a baby weighing that much.
0: (laughs) Okay, we're just going to stop it right there. (laughs) All right, whatever. I thought it was a good analogy, but okay. No, 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 it was good. My mind was, um, never mind. Oh, yeah, okay, you're going somewhere else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. All right, his family often moved during his childhood as his father worked jobs along the West Coast. They would soon settle in a wealthy part of uh, Piedmont, California. Piedmont? Wow, I butchered that. Piedmont. Piedmont. <laughs> Piedmont, uh, <clears throat> Piedmont <What>? California, <laughs> where they owned a swimming pool and had separate cars for Mr. and Mrs. Eastwood.
0: Uh... Which is very interesting Surely, because at that time, you know, that, that kind of thing was not really seen very often with having a swimming pool in your own backyard, two separate cars for your parents to go back and forth to work or wherever they need to go. Um, they were yeah, very, was, very well a, off.
1: Yeah, that was just, I mean, something that's pretty normal now. I mean, you have multiple cars and a swimming pool is, you know, you, you just got to look down the street and probably half the houses.
0: Are yeah, that's like... That's two like cars s- in the driveway and a swimming yeah. pool. Yeah. That's suburban suburban American life now.
1: Yeah, back then that was quite a uh, quite a status symbol. So shortly before he was to enter Piedmont High School, he rode his bike on the school sports field and tore up the turf, um, and this kind of led to him uh, being asked to not enroll. So in in lieu of that, he ended up in attending Oakland Technical High School. Uh, where he was held back due to poor academic scores, um, and at this time he was scheduled to graduate in 1949 as a mid-year graduate, although it was not clear if he ever did. Yeah, so, I know. I don't know. I, I kind of I like I like these kind of backstories uh, of famous people that you don't hear all the time. I mean, so many people don't. Most people don't focus on people. Uh, celebrities' backstories—you know, whether what, no matter what era, uh-huh. you know, they were from the Clint Eastwoods or the uh, early Armies, for example, that we mm-hmm. you know we've already talked about. And I, I kind of like these backstories because some, so they're not. So many of these people weren't born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They were just normal families, normal everything, and then they mm-hmm. just happened to, you know, the the stars align just right, and then they became who they are known as today
0: yeah and it's interesting because i mean as 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 often that we say it's all about who you know i mean we'll see here with eastwood's career that it was about who he knew um and, and it's just kind of interesting how you know their backstory you know clint is probably a lot like a lot of people out there i mean i know you and i there's a quote here that's saying how like clint would rather you know stay in the airplane shop or the workshop than go to class or do anything else like his mind was just set more on the technical side of things and doing learning by messing it up and breaking something and then fixing it. Um you yeah. know, there's so many people out there that are like that. And it's so interesting just to see how like Eastwood his mind worked um, you know, just like any other person did back then. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> and so uh after around this time, uh Clint Eastwood actually held quite a few uh just kind of random jobs it would seem like. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. You went from lifeguard to paper carrier to grocery cr- clerk to forest firefighter, golf
0: caddy. <laughs> Can you imagine Cleany suit as a golf caddy? No, I, I just want to see him in like one of those golf hats and the plaid, like in the plaid th- pants. Yeah, the the plaid three fourths length pants. And oh my! Did you hit
1: five balls or did you hit six? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he attempted to enroll in Seattle University in 1951, but was subsequently drafted into the Korean War. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> Eastwood would actually serve as a lifeguard in Fort Ord in Northern California for his entire tour of duty. Uh, and it was the, the kind of interesting rumors around this time that he was actually... Uh, romancing the daughter of an officer on the base.
0: Yeah, they said that because of that, <laughs> because of that, he was actually kind of looked out for, I guess, so he would never <laughs> get, um, you know, the papers to be able to, sh- to, to get, to get, like, shipped overseas or, well, you know, he wouldn't be the one to, give, to get down and give Arlie Lee Ermey 20 or anything like
1: that. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. You know, involved with the daughter of an officer and he, you know, Ends up getting a pretty gravy jab. <laughs>
0: I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, he he was well known for a very lean, good-looking guy back in the day. Okay, <laughs> okay. I, I've never I've never noticed. <laughs> Dude, he has rugged qualities that some would find attractive. Yes, <laughs> I'm not judging. <laughs> oh, <my>. Just. <laughs> Just go on. Wait, I think it's I think it's my turn to take over. All right, so jumping off of uh, jumping off of what Ben just just got done talking about. So now we're gonna swivel our way into his early career, um, and, and this is kind of where the whole it's all about who you know. Would you stop? You're still laughing at whatever happened before. No, I'm not. Yeah, you're snickering under that mustache and microphone of yours. <laughs> 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 anyway, it's all about who you know for Clint Eastwood, which is awesome. So back then, Universal Studios, um, which was known as Universal International at that time, um, the film company was shooting in Fort Ord where Eastwood was stationed. Um, and then when they were enterprising, a uh, assistant spotted. Uh, excuse me so an enterprising assistant actually spotted eastwood while he was on the job as a lifeguard and then he invited him to meet the actual director of uh, what they were filming at the time and was so that because of his rugged good looks i'm sure it was Or maybe it was the romancing of the daughter that helped him get in no maybe <laughs> so East, <laughs> Eastwood's friend named Chuck Hill Who was stationed at the fort As well had contacts in Hollywood So I think this is how we got full circle okay. So since his friend Chuck Hill had contacts in Hollywood He helped Eastwood get into the door uh, Literally So while they were in Los Angeles together Hill became reacquainted with Eastwood um, After their tour of duty And they managed to sneak him into a Universal studio Where he showed him to cameraman Irving Glassberg And from there it was kind of a uh, you know, kiss the past goodbye. So, Glassbrook actually arranged for an audition under Arthur Lubin. Arthur Lubin, uh, who, although very impressed with Clint's appearance, standing a tall six foot four, he actually disapproved of his initial acting skills, remarking that he was quite amateurish, amateurish, and he didn't know uh, which way to turn or which way to go or pretty much do anything while on set and in front of the camera, which was pretty funny um and Lubin actually he actually recommended for Eastwood to take acting like drama lessons and so if Eastwood agreed to do drama lessons he actually got signed on for a contract
1: right and you know you you think that it's funny now that someone like Clint Eastwood you know first audition had no idea how to act but he wasn't an actor (laughs) leading up to this yeah you know so it's I I mean you can't really fault him too much because he just kind of randomly gets an opportunity to go to an audition even though (laughs) he's not an actor
0: i just picture him like standing right in the middle of the entire set and they're like telling him to the left move to the left turn to the right i don't know what to do with my hands (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) all right so since meeting lubin um he actually arranged for eastwood for his initial contract back in April of 1954 at $100 per week. So after he signed Eastwood was initially criticized for his stiff manner and delivering his lines through his teeth, which is now a well-known trademark of his acting, which is, it's so interesting how, you know, the, the, the public and the audience really latches on to certain aspects of an actor. But at the time that they were getting their start, that's what was criticized and not liked.
1: Oh, I'm sure that happens a lot. You know, Whether it's uh, acting in movies and TV shows or it's musicians, I'm sure that someone originally told Jimi Hendrix, hey, don't play your guitar like that. And he's like, nah, I'm going to do it anyway. And now that's what he's known for. And, you know, (laughs) I'm sure that happens all the time.
0: It's about taking those risks, man. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, like calling 10 times in a row at the radio station.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know if you would have if you would have decided not to call that last time, you never would have had Brian Regan tickets, so
0: I know, and now I'm living the life <laughs> uh side uh, note, when is that uh, it would be June eighteenth uh, okay, cool yeah cool. Do you like Brian Regan?
1: I like Brian Regan a lot I he's love hilarious. Brian. yeah,
0: I think he's hilarious too. Maybe we'll have him on Brian, the show someday that'd be cool that would be cool. He did. I, t- I <laughs> tweeted at him and said that I won tickets, and he did like my tweet.
1: Oh, fantastic. All I right, You've got the foot in the door now.
0: Yes. Foot yes. in the
1: door for him liking your tweet. Now you got to just spring the question on him. Hey, want to be a guest on an amateur podcast?
0: What I should do is just contis- continuously at and tweet him for about every hour of every day until he finally answers.
1: That sounds like a good way to get a restraining order.
0: okay let's move on clint would continue to struggle through film industry throughout the 1950s obtaining small often uncredited roles um in, in movies such like the creature from the black lagoon francis and the navy as well as tarantula um a film by jack arnold most of these films were actually uh and then eastwood would actually not find a prominent role until he was cast as rowdy yates on the CBS western series Rawhide which kind of began um, late 50s early 60s so initially CBS and the and the crew and the cast of Rawhide Ed, Rawhide actually didn't foresee the show being as popular as it was and once the you know the share the show started airing it just took 3 weeks for Rawhide to reach the top 20 in the TV ratings and although it never won an M- Emmy It was a huge success over several years, and often reached its peaked peak at number six in the ratings between October nineteen sixty and April nineteen sixty one. So that was kind of the high point of Rawhide, and this is where Clint Eastwood really got his start. Um, You know, he even kicked it off in the western kind of genre, but this is where people really got to know who Eastwood was as an actor. Even though, like, his character in Rawhide isn't what we affiliate with clint eastwood uh, like because in rawhide yeah. even eastwood kind of commented how like he was the nicey nice neighborhood guy and always <laughs> you know willing to go travel eight thousand miles to help somebody out and you know go, go out of his way to to give somebody a smile but uh that's definitely not the <laughs> eastwood that we that we that we know today no definitely don't when you think of clint eastwood you don't think of the howdy doody kind of roles I know I know and it was insane (laughs) I was even reading and how he was talking about how they kind of worked him to the bone he would often work from like 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. if not later every single day working on filming and doing whatever and then he would still get criticized saying he's not working hard enough while he was on the show
1: yeah I feel like that's probably pretty common on like new guys
0: you know (laughs) the new kid on the block Yeah,
1: you just—they work you like a dog.
0: They do. They really do. (laughs) Eastwood uh, would would continue to make his first attempt at directing uh, when he filmed several trailers for Rawhide. Although he was unable to actually convince the producers to let him direct an entire episode, but he got some experience and some um, exposure to directing. While uh, he was involved with Rawhide, the show would event un- unfortunately, by losing popularity throughout the mid-60s, um, it was later canceled throughout the 1965 and 1966 season. And from there, we turn into his career height, where we see him working with Sergio León on the uh, Spaghetti Westerns and kind of really made him a, a household name. So that's all yours to take away, big guy. <laughs> okay. You
1: got the good, so, man.
0: You got the good stuff.
1: Oh, I do. I got the career height. Career height. <laughs> in late 1963, Eastwood's co-star on Rawhide, Eric Fleming, rejected an offer to star in an Italian-made western called A Fistful of Dollars. And this actually—that was just on TV the other night. And watched. Oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was wrong. It was a few dollars more. A few dollars more oh, was the on TV. One. Okay. Yeah. It was on TV the other night. But, Both great. Okay. Anyway. Both great movies. Oh yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, Eastwood thought the film would be an opportunity to escape from his rawhide image. Um, Anyone can see, if you've seen rawhide, you would know that he would probably want to get away from that pretty fast. Eastwood signed a a contract for $15,000 in wages for 11 weeks' work with a bonus of a uh, Mercedes-Benz upon completion.
0: Which I think was hilarious. Yeah, I love it. I love it. (laughs) It's like, yeah, if you actually make it all the way through, we'll give you a car.
1: yeah. I don't really see
0: Clint Eastwood as being a Ben's
1: kind of guy, but, you know, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> he probably just sold uh, it. Oh, that's true. That'd be <laughs> genius. Yep. Eastwood was, an instrumental in, was instrumental in creating the man with no name character's distinctive visual style. And although a non-smoker, Leon insisted Eastwood smoke cigars as an essential ingredient of the mask he was attempting to create for the loner character. Uh, Eastwood would continue to make his mark in the Western cinema- cinematic world by reprising the man with no name in For a Few Dollars More, The Good, The Bad, and the Ugly. And, uh, wow. Uh, Take two. For a Few Dollars More, and The Good, The Bad, and the Ugly. Clinton would <laughs> stay a recognizable face as a Hollywood tough guy by taking on roles in Hang 'em High. Uh, military films as well as Dirty Harry um and that's really kind of around this era is where we start to see more of the of his directing side that's when he started to transition a little bit less out of acting more into directing yeah <clears throat> and and this is <laughs> this is kind of funny um this would be totally weird to see uh, Easter, Eastwood was actually offered the role of James Bond, 007 James Bond, when Sean Connery declined to continue. Um, and Eastwood, he ended up declining, but he would, I don't know, that would be a weird Can James Bond. Can you imagine?
0: Bond. That would be a very weird James Bond. And, like, you know what, like <laughs> He—he, I think he declined it pretty quick, even though, like, let's say if the character of James Bond was, you know, based on, you know, American secret spy cia stuff he probably would have taken it Mm -hmm. but uh eastwood actually declined in terms of he felt that you know james bond should be betrayed by an english actor which a lot of people probably were happy i think that he did decline the role because i think can you imagine the way that the james bond films would have just been so different if eastwood would have been james bond
1: That would have been, I mean, I like Clint Eastwood, but that would have been so weird. But actually, you know what? I actually know it. I know why he turned it down. I know it. I know for sure. They wouldn't let him carry a forty-four Magnum. (laughs) There you go. All they had were those those tiny little pea shooter guns, you know, that (laughs) the the spies carried. (laughs) Well, you got to
0: fit it in the tux, man.
1: Nah, you just get a bigger tux.
0: (laughs) You just get a bigger tux. (laughs) <laughs> uh, too, too good And you know, the Dirty Harry franchise My dad was a huge fan um, I mean, both of Eastwood's, you know, western style stuff But uh, especially Dirty Harry I remember, you know, we had VHS films of Dirty Harry And my dad loved it uh, My dad's mm-hmm. a big fan of, of Clint Eastwood And, it, I you know, this is something that you grew up with um, Knowing Clint Eastwood's acting And just kind of that tough guy on the block Where no-nonsense no nonsense guy. I don't really know where else to take it. <laughs> what?
1: No, I mean I think that's that's probably <laughs> one of the the be- the best descriptions you can give of Clint Eastwood. He's just no no nonsense. No it's raw. Nonsense. And raw.
0: it's so <clears throat> yeah. You mean rawhide? It's so interesting that no. to see it. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to see him in, in in like, you know, just a regular personal environment as well because like he still has that tough guy personality. He sometimes he reminds me of Harrison Ford, where Harrison Ford is very much like just like, you know just he's just like he's a box. I think of him in like a box. He doesn't there's no fluidity. He's just boom. This is who he is and this is who he's gonna be.
1: Wow, you got you got quite the the psycho psychoanalyst breakdown here.
0: What do you think? Show. How would I do?
1: <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. Now, I see where you're going with that. I can't really say I've made that distinction before, but yeah, I I I can see where you're going cuz Harrison Ford does do that quite a bit where you know, he might play kind of that that guy in a movie and then you see him in an interview and he's still kind of you know, Blank-faced. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which makes him hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Okay, (laughs) so we're going to steer towards the ending of our show today um, in his later career. So throughout the mid to late 2000s, Eastwood would actually shift more into directing as well as producing. He kind of took a four-year acting hiatus. So many films were actually held with high critical acclaim, including Million Dollar Baby, Mystic River, Letters from Iwo Jiva, as well as Flags of Our Fathers. So the latter, which is the Flags of Our Fathers, actually debuted the career of Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood. And I don't know if you've seen his son, but his son looks so much like Clint.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you, it is
0: insane, almost uncanny.
1: You give him like a a woven poncho and a cowboy hat, and it would be like the same person.
0: It would be, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's so cool, and I mean, he seems very down to earth. Um, I, I I think I think of him as more like a circle. He's still very. Straight and narrow, but you know he has some curves to him.
1: What about a what about a pentagon? Like it's more circular, but still kind of sharp cornered. There
0: you go. What? Let's take an octagon, man. There you go. Okay. All right. I'm glad That's we a could good agree. <laughs> yeah. Compromise. Uh, Eastwood would then um, he would end his four year acting hiatus by directing and starring in Gran Torino, which I love. This movie. Oh, really? It's great, man.
1: What do I like? I like Clint Eastwood, but that movie sucked. You think so?
0: No, it was just, I don't know, I just didn't like it. I, I loved like it. it. I loved the concept of it, how kind of, you know, he was He was in the point of his life in that movie. Like the character itself, where he just wanted to fade away into the background. He didn't want to be a part of anything. And, you know, the things that have happened to him in his past. And he's able to connect with the, the younger generation.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I had some good stuff in it, but I don't know. I the ending bothered me. Like, I don't Did know. Did it really?
0: He just kind of, you know, gave up, and he didn't I, give up, man. He went over there I to know. to kick some butt, and then he was gonna pull out a lighter, and then they shot him all up.
1: Yeah, well, I do. I don't like any movie where Clint Eastwood dies.
0: Well, I got okay. I guess that's true.
1: It just instantly makes it a bad movie.
0: This show's getting very solemn really quickly on that note. Not as solemn as the endings of other shows. That's very true. Clint Eastwood (laughs) has not passed away yet, so we're not going to end on his death, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We we tend to do
1: that, and it's like we have a great show, and then we're just such a bummer
0: at the end. (laughs) Right at the end. Uh, Okay, all right. Finish up the last few points here. Eastwood with uh, oh, excuse me. Clint's most recent activities as director, including *Hereafter*, starring Matt Damon, as well as *J. Edgar*, which is a biopic of the FBI director portrayed by Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio played J. Edgar Hoover um, in that movie, and you know it did have a claim. You know it, it was it was very well. It, it was received well, but certain aspects of it were not. So a lot of people kind of criticized how the film had a huge really good story and build up, but the the way it was delivered didn't exactly give it the full gratitude.
1: Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. I have not seen it so I don't I'm not sure. So it's one of those movies that has a really good build up for not a very good payoff.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I, but, that, I that mean, drives me nuts when it's it's all plot building, plot building, plot building, and then just kind of
0: meh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I love I love Eastwood and the way he produces and direct movies. I really enjoy Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, you know what? I I definitely do want to see it. I just want to I just want to be able to enjoy it and say I saw it because I mean I think J Edgar Hoover's a, a very cool public figure from back in the day, for sure. Uh, well,
1: yeah, I'd still watch it.
0: Which is kind of cool. I mean, I don't want to derail with definitely talking about Clint Eastwood, but the word biopic actually triggers something in my mind. So today they actually released the full trailer. Uh, They they released the full trailer trailer to Bohemian Rhapsody, a biopic about Freddie Mercury, his beginnings as well as the the success of Queen, and it looks amazing. It's coming out in early November. Have you have you seen this yet, or have you heard about this? No, I have. I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. You have to check it out. Anyone who's li- anyone who is listening to the show who has not heard of this yet, go on to YouTube or Google or wherever and type in "Bohemian Rhapsody" biopic trailer. And it is. It looks so cool. Really, really cool. And I really want to see it. I'm excited. That does sound pretty cool. I will look that up. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting how you know the the modern times of the technology and stuff that we have and the stuff that we know, it's cool to see these kind of things coming about where, you know, they're doing a biopic of queen, you know, I'm sure. And however long they might do a biopic of like, um, like pink floored or the Eagles. You know what I mean? It's getting to that point where it's like more, there's more tributes and, and ways to bring entertainment, but also history to the forefront of younger generations. I think it's cool as well as older generations can obviously, can obviously connect with that.
1: Yeah, we're we'll kind of getting to the point where there's still a lot of people who there, there's a lot of people who still like that music but they have no idea of they were not around when it was uh common, when it was new, when it when the when the artists were young. Well, that I mean we're us included. We're we're those people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And we like so much music of people who are not even alive anymore yeah you know and so yeah i can see how that i can definitely see that uh growing in popularity in the next few years especially if if this uh queen uh
0: biopic movie is (laughs) uh is popular yeah i'm excited anyway that was a little caveat back on point this is this is my favorite thing I did during show prep to end the show. Check this out. So I turned, I kind of <laughs> dropped in some Eastwood's favorite hobbies. So Eastwood is actually an avid golfer, owns um, Tayama Golf Club, and he is an investor in the world-renowned Pebble Beach Golf Links, west of Carmel and um, Carmel. And he actually donates his time to charitable causes as well as major tournaments um, revolving around the golf world. And uh, just because Clint Eastwood is Clint Eastwood, he is actually a certified pilot and he often flies his helicopter to the studios because he wants to avoid traffic.
1: That is the most Clint Eastwood thing I think (laughs) I've ever heard. I
0: know. And I love (laughs) it. I was like, this show has to end on this note.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. I got to back up also to the golf thing. Of all... The celebrities, uh, you know, of anyone who's played any kind of role, uh, whether it was nice guy or tough guy, I just don't see Clint Eastwood as being, like, super into golfing.
0: I mean, he was a golf caddy.
1: I know. Okay, yes. I know (laughs) he was a golf caddy. Well, I didn't know that until, you know, looking into this show. But I, I just don't. I can't see him out. Putting around in the golf cart with his fancy, you know, puffy hat, polo shirt, and <laughs>
0: no plaid pants. What you know. he does is that he flies his helicopter around the entire course. He doesn't put oh, out... I think
1: he, he has like a little mini, like ultralight helicopter. Yes, like it goes from hole to hole.
0: Yes, genius. <laughs> at least, genius. at least that's what I like to picture in my head. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna look into it because I want to. I want to picture that. You don't want to be
0: disappointed yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that's a wrap thank you guys so much for joining young nostalgia here um while we continue continue our journey through retro pop culture as always if you enjoy the show leave a kind review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen and if you have a uh, you know obviously if you you know want to say something to us if you want to give us a shout out please 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 review us it's great to be able to grow our audience and it also lets us know that you like what you're hearing um and if you got a future topic or you'd like to talk with ben and i as a guest on the show give ben and i an email at young nostalgia 2017 at gmail.com this is episode 37 go ahead make my day absolutely completely fun and i can't wait till next week we're going to talk about the duke john wayne finishing up our short little stint of tough guy rough around the edges um short little series here on Young Nostalgia but uh I th- I think it's been great. You know, I I was thinking about this um, since I won those free tickets that we <laughs> started out the free show. We should actually do kind of a short little series about like comedians, like stand-up comedians we can pull in like John- Jerry Seinfeld in there and you know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah, I like that idea. I think we could get fun. some uh uh going we could go back a little bit older too do some like Bob Newhart kind oh, of yeah. stuff yeah. cuz he was real a lot of people a lot of people now like people our age they have no idea about Bob Newhart
0: and he's super funny Yeah no, goodness, i agree he's i think funny. i think that'd be great i think that'd be um, great
1: yeah a good idea mental make a mental note of that even uh, though i know we'll forget
0: no we won't <laughs>
1: we always do <laughs> anything else big guy Nope, nope, that was fun. And I think, uh, I don't know about you, but I think we've saved the best for last with wrapping up on the Duke. Um, that's going to be a, a really fun show.
0: No, I agree. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. I'm a
1: John Wayne guy through and through. If there's a John Wayne movie on TV, there's no reason ever to turn a John Wayne movie off.
0: <laughs> Unless there's Star Wars on the other channel. Oh, you got me. on that. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to make a choice. What <laughs> That'd you do? Be a tough decision. What you do is do that TVs. you TVs. picture in picture. Yeah. Well, there you go. Or oh, you just DVR the other one. Fair, enough. The, Fair the, enough. See, the best part is, is that like you know we don't have cable right now, cause, just because we don't need it. But it's like you know when I was back home or whatever, there'd be a movie on that I know we own, but you always watch it on TV. And my mom was always like, "Why you own it?" It's like <laughs> I don't know. It's different. It's on TV right now. I'm not going to just not watch it.
1: Well, you get yeah, think about it too. It really stinks to watch movies on TV. Really stinks because the commercials and all that junk. But they give you built-in snacks and bathroom breaks. Yes.
0: Oh my god, you're right.
1: I know. I know. See, I think that's just a I reason it. I I think that's just a way that my subconscious rationalizes being too <laughs> lazy to get up and put the DVD in. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, I absolutely love it. All right, we should probably wrap this up. We've probably rambled on about stuff other than Young Nostalgia for uh, a good amount of time. Most of the show. Most of the show. Uh, As always, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, what we say here on Young Nostalgia always goes like... (laughs) Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. Take care, everybody.